Hello, lovely people. And how are you today? Well, it is lovely to be with you. Thank you for having me. And I hope you're doing okay. Now, if you feel like listening to somebody who fills their days with joy, doing something they absolutely love, so much so they rarely get stressed about their muddy floors, I mean, seriously, then I have just the conversation for you. Jenny Urquhart is one of Bristol's most loved artists. You can often see her work all over the city and she is followed and loved by thousands of people. She lives the dream of so many. She works as a full-time artist. Jenny started off as a biology teacher, but if you think Jenny spent years in art schools to make her leap, well, you'd be wrong. Do you know what she did? She, nope, actually, I'll let her tell you herself. But personally, I think what she did was really, really brave. Now, in the spirit of the next chapter, honesty, I admit we had some technical issues recording this episode. So apologies if it does sound very slightly different. I was mortified, but Jenny could not have been lovelier. Instead of doing it over Skype, she came over to my garden and ignored my own muddy floors, thank goodness. She was so positive and helpful, just an absolute joy to speak with. By the end, I could see how her approach to life has got her just where she wants to be. And I hope after you've listened to Jenny, you'll see exactly what I mean. <music> Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is as I begin my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to some incredible people who have already started their next chapter in the hope it might be able to help you with yours or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Jenny Urquhart. Jenny Urquhart, thank you so much for joining me on the next chapter by Ellie Barker. It is an honour to have you Oh, thank you. No, I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) Okay, right. So I'm going to start, as I always do, with the prologue. Now, you grew up in the Staffordshire countryside, which to me sounds pretty idyllic. Yes, I mean, it wasn't a very pretty village that I grew up in, but it um, it was surrounded by trees and fields and... So my, my childhood was spent just wandering around fields and, and climbing trees. Um, it was before technology, so those were the only options in our village, really. Um, so yeah. were you able to do that? You were able to go out and have a little roam around in a way perhaps they don't do now as children? Yeah. I mean, my, I think my mum was quite strict and wouldn't let me go too far, but I'd often, you know, just go up the road with a few mates, uh, make tree swings... And I'm going lots of bike rides, and my kids don't do any of that. They live in a little terraced house in the city, and they don't they don't do what I used to do. So I feel quite sorry for them, really. Mm. I never noticed that's something now because I was a bit similar. I was able to like go up my bike and things like that. I'm not sure if that's uh, being in a city if it still happens in the countryside, I'm, I'm, or if it's just today's world that we live in. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. I mean, I, it's so um, my kids don't often go out on their own with their friends but I've just because I was that's what I did all the time I've been trying to encourage them to be a bit more independent and it's them being cautious that's stopping them not not that they're not allowed so not uh, not that strict mum so this is it you started to develop your well you became obsessed with nature yeah you loved it so and what happened then how did that come about well I think it was largely down to my dad, who loved, also loved nature. And when he was a little boy, he used to keep loads of little pets, little pet mice and, and field bowls and all sorts of things. So he spent long, long sort of walks with me, looking at hedgerows. I'd often collect animals, bring them home, keep them in jam jars. Um, and like I used to just sit and 
like watch ants nests for sort of half an hour and I do, it sounds quite sad really but I just I just yeah I love all nature I mean I can't think of a single living thing that I don't like and often people go I hate wasps or oh, I'm not a dog person I'm a cat person or I just love everything so um do you really like a, wasps do you not mind wasps I don't mind them no no um I'm just on a picnic with you and even even if I like swat a mosquito I do feel slightly guilty so wow. I was sort of brought up to nurture animals and if ever we came across an injured animal would have to bring it home, look after it, or we'd get bored and my mum would end up looking after it. So, yeah, I was Gerald Durrell, but with less exotic pets. Oh, yeah. that sounds amazing. And so you went to school, your high school, you say it was quite tough. It was in a, it was in a council estate, but it was just quite tough. Yeah, yeah. It was, so my primary school was lovely, and it was, I don't think there was ever, a, like, a... A syllabus at our primary school it was just we we had random lessons we might wander around the local woods um or if the farmer had had lambs we'd go and look at the lambs I don't ever remember there being I mean these days you have like maths and then you have literacy and so there's none of that and I and so my memory of primary school was absolutely idyllic I loved it and there was about 15 people in my year and and then I went to a middle school which was also lovely in in a nearby large village and then I just got sent to the local comp because that's what you did. Um, and I, I did love school, but I didn't appreciate how hard it actually was till I left and I compared myself with other people. Because you only have one childhood, so you don't know anything different. But when you talk to other people and realise that actually, you know, it was, it was quite a tough school. There was bad behaviour, people telling teachers to F off. I think by 15, there's at least four girls who'd gone off to have babies and... And I just sort of quietly got on with my work. You know, well, well, you loved it because you said you loved it. And yeah. so, I mean, even from the age of six, you you knew you wanted to be either a scientist or an artist. Yeah. Or an yes. artist. I mean, that's amazing because, you know, so much, we say there's so much now is pigeonholed that you're either a scientist or you're an artist. But it's not you're one of those children and one of those children. Yeah. But how amazing that you were, you had such a varied interest. Yeah, I have really strong memories of primary school. And I remember the lesson and it was with Mr. Neil. And we were told to draw a picture of what we want to be when we grow up and write what we want to be. And I, I remember saying, I want to be a scientist and an artist. And most people just chose one thing, but that I knew that those are the two things that I felt. Even at age six, I mean... That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It is amazing, especially with what you went on to do, which we will go on to. But so going back to your um to the secondary school, you say it was tough, and that was mainly because it was because you liked studying. I absolutely love learning. I quite sad, I like homework and you know I, I, I think that's sad. Well, that, well, no, no, it is though, it is uh, yeah, and, and nobody in my school it seemed no one else seemed to enjoy learning. And it, and if you you know, I'd never put my hand up to answer a question because that wasn't cool. You know, and I used to sometimes hover at the back of the classroom and hand homework in so nobody could see that I'd done my homework. That's awful. And, and, I, and I knew nothing, you know, I knew nothing else. But And then having gone to university, I realised that not everybody had that experience. I thought, God, my school was quite, it's quite hard, really. But there were lots of positives because I learned to teach myself and I learned to be very self-sufficient so I at A levels I did a lot of learning just at home on my own got the syllabus learned everything didn't rely on lessons and did um, you have siblings yeah an older sister who who also worked really hard and did really well so part of me was thinking I don't want my sister to beat me so <laughs> so we were quite competitive 
Um, she did really, she did really well at school. Did she? But we were completely in the minority. It goes to show that it's clearly. It sounds like you had a lovely home life. Yeah. You're saying that your dad was an art teacher, and he sort of encouraged you a lot. They encourage you a lot with the animals. Yeah. So it does go to all this. We do talk so much about schools and schools are so important, but it is the home that makes such yeah. a difference. Um, and my mum was a housewife, so she was always around. And my dad, being a teacher, was always around in the holidays. So we did so much together and they put in so much effort to get us interested in things. You know, I just often fob my kids off with a screen. <laughs> they never did because we didn't have I'd them. I'd never do that, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, she said, yes. go play Minecraft. Yeah, and, and, and holidays, we, we, we never went abroad. We always just went to Cornwall and went rock pooling and nature walks. And you know, little things excited me. So I remember once on holiday, we, we saw basking sharks in the sea and I remember going back to school going oh, we saw basking sharks and people sort of looking blank and oh dear never mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you so, know, look it paid off didn't it because you yeah. did you did study you did hand in your homework yes and Jenny went to Oxford I know I know Oxford. I know I know <gasps> I, I feel once I'd achieved that I don't have to achieve anything else in my life because no. I'm so proud I agree and and uh, I did I did work really really hard and I I just looked at this certain biology degree and it was looking at things I was just fascinated with, like evolution, um, animal behaviour. And I asked my school if I could apply and they sent off for exam papers and I sat and... um, I mean, these days I think people, kids get often coached how to do the exams, but they just sort of shoved me in a room, gave me the the pieces of paper and I just wrote everything I knew about every topic and, and got an interview um, and then I just remember the interview. Yeah, I was very nervous, and I hadn't really got any sort of posh clothes, like posh suits to wear. Everyone else was wearing these really smart suits, and I turned up in a, I think it was a woolen skirt that my mum had given me, and this sort of polo neck jumper <laughs> with a, and a hairband. Yeah, <laughs> with a hairband, and I just, uh, and I just remember thinking, "Gosh, I look ridiculous." I'm being really nervous and they handed me all sorts of random nature objects and I had to talk about them and but I was able to say look I I breed stickleback fish at home in a fish tank and and I I think they could see that I absolutely lived and breathed nature and so they gave me a chance wow I know yeah so amazing and so what was that like when you actually went there what was it like yeah well it was a bit of a culture shock because I'd had such a sheltered socially sheltered upbringing so I'd never been to cocktail parties never been to balls never but I just did as many things as I could and embraced it and absolutely loved it um yeah did you meet some nice people there really nice really nice people I mean there's some statistic I don't know what percentage of people come from state schools but I don't think they're true I think I think most people I met were from public schools and um but they're all lovely but uh, did yeah. you notice any? Did you feel a divide at all? Because you still sometimes hear about this. But did you feel that there was a divide? No, but I had um, there was a lad who also got to Oxford from my school a few years before me, and I I met him there. Lovely, Chris Douglas, um, really nice lad, and he he was doing medicine at quite a posh college, and and he um, came from a very working class background and really struggled. And when he came, I think he t- took me under his wing and would check in on me you know are you okay do you want to go to the pub and I think he soon realized I didn't need looking after because I just thought everything was 
amazing fun and I didn't have a chip on my shoulder I just thought oh let's do as many things as possible and he he struggled mm. and um didn't enjoy it at all no that's sad so. isn't it? but again you know again it goes to show maybe it was to do with your upbringing as well with the kind of that you had you were very open to things and very yeah, possibly learning and that kind of thing and that you sort of seemed very open-minded which yes is a, yeah I think that was it you just have to, to embrace be. it and mm. and uh yeah, I mean, new, just simple things like we had a field trip and I'd never been on a plane before. Right. And I was the only person, I think, that had never been abroad. I mean, I'd never... And I remember sitting on the plane and everybody sort of taking the piss because they were all going, look, look, watch Jenny's face as it takes off. But it's fine. They can, they can laugh at me. Yeah, that's... But, they, what, you know... You? <laughs> Where are you going? We, oh, it was an absolute... Like, we had two weeks in a five-star hotel in the Algarve. Wow. And we were supposed to be looking at the flora of the Mediterranean. So we went and looked at a few plants, but then sat around the pool and, and it was amazing. Study the nature yeah. from the sunbed. I like that yeah. trip. That yeah. sounds good. So, so then, so you left, when you left there, first of all, you started off working for KP McVitie's, yes. which sounds a little bit of a different route. Well, I finished my degree. I ran out of lectures, didn't know what to do. Uh, I mean, in biology, it's a funny one. You can either go and do something academic, um, you know, go and do a master's or... And I didn't want to do that. Um, and I went to a careers fair and ended up sitting next to a stall that had loads of chocolate biscuits on the table. So I just sat and ate loads of chocolate biscuits and I filled in the form. And then I got a job interview and I ended up getting the job. And it was... Oh, my God, it was so unsuitable. I was going to be a factory manager, a hula hoop factory manager, Awful. Did you like hula hoops? I did like hula hoops, but That's not not so much work. now I've seen how they're made. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> and the first six months, they sent you off in a big pink KP McVitie's car and you went round corner shops and tried to flog hula hoops to corner shops. It was awful. I had a stalker. I had... Um, oh, it was just the whole experience was horrific. You know, I'd turn up and everybody was on Ramadan so I wouldn't taste my samples. Um... So I really, really didn't enjoy it. And where were you living at this stage? Was that London? No, I was based in Birmingham. Right. So I was living in um, Ashby de la Zouche, which is actually Leicester, um, (laughs) for my final placement. Oh, oh, the whole thing was just so awful. And I resigned. And I thought, you know what? I really do want to do teaching. And my dad, I remember talking about teaching. My dad was an art teacher, but he sort of, his career, he wasn't, so happy with his job at the end of his career and he was like oh, no Jen don't be a teacher you know but I did the training um I got sent down to do you know Saunton and Croyd in North Devon yes I was sent from Bristol down to there to Barnstable Sixth Form College okay where I did hardly any teacher training wow I, it was awful I, I just went to the beach every day because why wouldn't you because <laughs> everybody was on revision and it was a sixth form college so I did about two or three lessons and then me and the other teachers went to the beach. That's I'm getting no one knows this. I mean this is, <laughs> this is an exclusive. This is, this is an exclusive. <gasps> and your children here. So this. I did yes, a PGC at UE. I didn't really do much teaching. Oh. That's my why my portfolio was so good because I had so much time to do it and <laughs> Yeah, now it's shining a big light on you. It's all yeah, coming out. And then I got a job in a school in, in Bristol, a lovely, lovely school, and I taught there for ten years. Right, so you didn't Loved know Bristol. It. Did that? It was the job that brought you to Bristol. Well, my husband is my sister's. Was my sister's flatmate at Bristol University. Oh, so that's okay. so I. I remember visiting Bristol 
when my sister was at uni thinking, I love Bristol. I just want, I will live live there when I'm older. And I and I did. Yeah. So, okay. um, and were you together with your husband by this stage? I finished university and I met my husband in the summer after I finished university. Yeah. So I moved in with my sister. <laughs> did she enjoy that? <laughs> yeah. um, and then we bought a flat together and moved out. So, wow. uh, yeah. That's really yeah, good though, so at least you knew they'd get on. So yes. That's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. So there, so you were then a um, biology teacher here in Bristol. Yes. So for 10 years. I loved it. You I loved actually it. loved it until I had my own children. What age were you teaching? I was teaching 11 to 18. Wow. What yeah. schools were you teaching in then? So I just, I've only taught in one school, and that's Colston's. Okay. Colston School. So that was a private school? A private school, yeah. yeah. So that's um, interesting after all your sort of upbringing then to be working in Well, I just school. thought I really don't, want to be a, a crowd manager I don't mm. want to be faced with bad behavior and abuse and I just want a nice easy mm. place where I can teach the subject I love so mm. it was lovely and you yeah. enjoyed it but you yeah. then be, you became a tutor when you had your own children so you have two boys yeah you decided to so and I can understand that as well because then you could fit that in around with with the babies as well it must have made it yeah. much more flexible I, I had my eldest Charlie and then I, I actually had about 18 months off work while I waited for part-time teaching placement to come up at the school. By that time, I was already pregnant again with my second. <laughs> I, I lasted a term and then, oh, sod this. Because yeah. I just, I think I just wanted to always be there for my kids. Mm. And I thought, if I become a tutor, mm. I can work around the kids. Mm. And my husband has a very long, long hours job. And so I resigned, and it was the easiest decision ever. I went into the headmaster's office and went, oh, I'm resigning. <laughs> a big grin on my face, and it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I didn't actually do any, I didn't do any tutoring, because it was that summer I started picking up a paintbrush. And I'd, yeah. Well, let me go on to that. So this is now, we are moving into, into your next chapter. So, I, I mean, I think this is amazing. I do think this is really amazing because it's such an inspiration. So you, you always did, did you always like painting up until that point? Because you said I'd you never really painted. Yeah, I'd always drawn and I didn't really do any painting. And my, my dad never like particularly encouraged me to, to draw, but I loved it. And it was the one thing that I was always really good at for my age. And there's always lots of paper and pens at home. Um, and I did GCSE art, but you couldn't do A-level art at my school. So I gave up art. Um, yeah. And then that took you on the scientist route. Yeah. I, I always remember at, at university, so one of my tutors is George McGavin, who, the insect guy, does lots of TV oh, programmes. I remember I did my dissertation with him and we were looking at insects and I spent so long on the front cover. <laughs> Not so long on the inside. And yeah, I remember him saying, gosh, you know, this is, this is what maybe you should do quite good yeah so. <laughs> yes well a few years later you did so yeah so you started so when you're, you're your boys were babies and boys you were babies you were yeah. painting as a hobby I painted a couple of pictures and I did what did I do I painted a few paintings and I, I made a few prints and a few cards and I took it all along to um a little stall at my kids primary school Christmas fair and I set it out and it's about two hours long and sold everything and I came back with wedges of cash and I was saying to Stu, my husband, oh, this is it. This is, this is, you know, I love doing it. And 
people have actually bought it. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is what I mean, because I think that is so brave to go. And I know I know the school where you talk about, I know it's a very lovely, friendly school. Yes. But even so, to go, when you've done something like that, because it's very private, isn't it? Like to paint. I know what it was like to put my writing out for the first time. And it's, yes. it's like you do it and, oh, it's just that stepping out. But to do, I, my, I stepped out on Facebook, so it's hard to see, like, out there, so like, I'm writing books. Yeah, yeah, But to yeah. go into, a, a, like, a stall, there you are, there's yes. your work, with your, with the other school mums and dads. Yeah. And you're like, here you are, would you like to buy it? I mean, I, I just find that fascinating, because I think that is really brave to do that. Well, I think with art, it's so subjective. So if you, you know, some people like, certain things some people don't and I think I just thought well I've got to earn some money and I've got all this sitting at home so I just go for it and it was it was amazing, amazing. it was um, yeah and you saw, how many paintings were there oh I can't remember now maybe 10 maybe 10 and cards and prints um and I just took hardly anything home and then I it was very soon after that I'd done I'd got two paintings at home I think my first two paintings of St Ives and one was sunny day in St. Ives and one was um, grey day in St. Ives. And I applied to a, a TV programme called Show Me the Money, which was on BBC Two. And I think Chris Hollins was a presenter. Nice. And, I, uh, I worked with him. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. lovely. And, uh, and I applied to go on this programme just, just to try and, well, selfishly try and advertise what I do. Because when you start off from nothing, I've got no art qualifications apart from GCSE art. I just thought I've got to get my stuff out there. And... I spent a day filming at a big mansion in London somewhere. Can't remember where it was. And the for people who've never seen it, it it's a bit like Dragon's Den, where you go and present your your art, then three art critics say what they think, and then you're either picked for an exhibition or not. And the exhibition was going to be in a really posh gallery in London, the Mal Galleries. And I presented my... <laughs> to be fair, it's just like a pretty picture sometimes. No depth to it whatsoever. It just looked pretty. And I presented it and they looked at it and they said, well, technically it's not very good. Um, it's not very original. And it's got no real emotional appeal. Oh, but, there you go. But we can see it printed on a tea towel. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I'm thinking, brilliant, tea towels. Yeah! So that's <laughs> so, that amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant fun. And people there were... I realised that maybe I don't take myself seriously enough because people there were so terrified and they'd got their deepest piece of art they'd ever done and they were presenting it and it was like they were presenting their soul and they were shaking with nerves and, and I just thought, oh, this is a day out, it's a bit of fun. So Meet Chris Hollins. Meet Chris Hollins, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but so how did you go from that then? So what did that lead to anything? Or then how did you start to sort of build Well, the I then went to a few galleries and... There was a gallery in Clifton and I brought in a few little paintings and prints and the lovely lady agreed to sell them in her in her gallery. And then I, um, gosh, I'm trying to think now how I did it. I think I just approached a few other little local places and they tried them and they sold really well. And then Sarah Thorpe, who uh, runs the amazing shop on Gloucester Road, Room 212, which is like Aladdin's you know cave of of art she took she started to sell my prints and and paintings and it just flew and I just 
you remember thinking, gosh, this is amazing. This, it, that is yeah. amazing because you'd hit the golden spot there then, haven't you? Because you were doing something you loved. Oh, love it. around your boys. Yeah. But also it's taking you back with your nature because then you can go and do landscapes. I mean, I, I'm probably most, most people are who know what I do tend to think of my cityscapes with hot air balloons and yeah. the bridge. Um, and that, that does sell really well. But actually, deep down, what I really want to paint is is what I miss. And it, where I live in a terraced house, there are no views of fields and trees and forests, and that's what I adore. So increasingly, particularly in lockdown, that's all I painted, and coastal scenes. Um, and and what do you paint those from? Do you paint them from a picture? Or I either make them up out of my head, or I can be inspired by photographs I've taken. Oh my God, it's so enjoyable. I just, you know, I just <laughs> don't earn, I don't earn a lot of, you know, compared with perhaps if I'd stuck with teaching. Um, but I just wake up every day and think, oh, what should I paint today? And it is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds way too smug, but... It, no, it it's, doesn't. It's, and it's, it's priceless. Perfect. It's not it's, always about money, is it? It's, no. You have, can earn some cash that sort of helps things along. Yeah. But to do something that you love... And yeah. that, that, what that must mean to your boys to see their mum so happy doing that. And your husband as well. It's, it's so important within a family, I think. Yeah, it's very flexible. And I work, well, my kids are now older, so I can just work anyway. And I work at home at the kitchen table. Um, so if there's a meal time, <laughs> they have to eat elsewhere. <laughs> One day I really want my own studio, but I haven't got that at the moment. Um, but it is, it's... I, it's funny, my husband's not creative at all, so he doesn't get this, but w- when I have the urge to paint something and I've got the idea in my head, I've got a really strong visual sense and, um, and, I, and I can remember images really well. Not very good with words, but I do remember pictures and I, I have this sort of almost like a physical sensation at the thought of painting something because I'm so excited to do it. And if I haven't painted for a while, I get this, I get frustrated um, and my husband just doesn't get it at all. Yeah. His thought just makes him feel sick having to create something. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You, could, you yeah. get that part of the house. That's absolutely fine. And because you do commissions, I mean, that, what you, that I did have to smile. You were telling me without sort of giving any games away about the commission you were doing that was involving blossom. Yes. So you were going <laughs> up to look at a blossom tree and sort of stalking the blossom yeah. tree. Yeah, I mean, yes, I don't often get, I mean, the most stressful thing in my job is I do get the odd deadline, but it's not really. People often give you a lot of advance warning for a painting, so I, I never, I rarely have to rush. But this particular painting relied on blossom coming out, and that the painting was due in a few days, and the blossom had come out. So, <laughs> but the joy of painting, you just make it up. That's brilliant. <laughs> so in the end, you got the blossom in. Yeah. And you, you said before as well, you are a big fan of the idea of having your own business. Yes, supporter of especially women. Yes, yes, I think I get approached quite a lot by people who are thinking of doing it and their advice. And for me, I sort of fell into it. I didn't when I gave up my teaching. I didn't know that I was going to go into painting. I just sort of fell into it that way. But you've got to be, particularly with art, you've got to be quite commercial if you're relying on the income. As you know, my family relies on my income, so. I do indulge myself in painting what I like, but I also, in the back of my mind, think, is that going to sell? You know, I, I love painting like the North Devon coast, South Devon, Cornwall. I love all of that. But I know that lots of other people also like images. So that's always at the back of my mind. Um, and 
you know, I've been approached. There was a lady who, um, mentioning no names, she, she, she was really struggling as an artist and didn't want to have to go back to her job that was teaching. And I, and but to be honest, she was painting subjects that weren't weren't that commercial, and she felt strongly about the subjects of her paintings, but they weren't they wouldn't they wouldn't easily sell or wouldn't be an, a, an easy gift for somebody. Um, mm. So I don't sometimes feel Did like... Did she I, change? Did she go back to... I don't know. I don't know. I have to wait out. and see. Yeah. yeah. I have to wait and see. Um, but it's a fine line. I mean, I have it... I'm going through this because I'm just starting out with my writing. Yeah. And I know that what I write is not a typical genre. So I... And I, at the moment, I'm a bit gung-ho and think, well, you write what you want to read. But I wonder if there will come a day, one day, where I have to fine line it into yeah, more Yeah, you'll have to make that judgment. You'll yeah. have to... So I sometimes I do commissions that I and I I do whatever the customer's asking and it's not maybe a painting that I would normally choose to do but you've got to compromise otherwise I won't get enough money and I won't be able to do this as a job mm-hmm. so I you have to compromise all the time mm-hmm. and then and do then, you perhaps sometimes do the more the pieces that you'd like to do would you do those anyway and even do it for yourself yes or, you yeah. yes you so I'm working on a painting at the moment a commission and I can't see what it is no. because it's a gift for somebody and thankfully, it is a beach I adore myself, so that's fine. But that's I've done great. other commissions where I've thought, oh, gosh, I've got to do whatever, and I'm not in the mood. So it's, I have to do that painting, then paint, you know, next week I'll paint something I really feel like painting. Um, and in lockdown, it's been brilliant because I've had, I haven't had so many commissions and no events. So I've just sat at home and painted whatever I like. Oh, my goodness. So can I ask you, what, what would be your worst nightmare for someone to ask you to paint? Um, Not that you wouldn't. Well, it would probably be a really urban setting. Yeah. I think like with no plants, greenery, like a city centre. I don't know. I would struggle. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Gosh, no, your garden's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> it is. Oh, that's funny. Um, so moving on then. So to be continued. Now, you've, you've had some exciting news recently. Yes. So um, a friend of mine, she's a very clever scientist, Patty, and she's a um, fellow of the Royal Society. And her specialism is she studies early life cyanobacteria. So she looks at... Um, what maybe what the the Earth's atmosphere would have been like millions of years ago, and she um, and so her specialism is is photosynthesis in in microorganisms, um, and she really felt like doing something slightly different. And we applied for the Royal Society Public Engagement Grant for this year, and we've just found out that we've we've got it. We're doing this really exciting project, wow. and. I mean, I don't really know yet much about the topic. I remember studying it at university, but even then it was sort of the cartoon ladybird book version. Mm. And Patty knows her subject. You know, she's, an, she's a, one of the leads in her field in the world. So we're going to do a series of um, seminars and get experts to come in and talk. And then I'm going to do art inspired by those discussions. So it might be, I don't know, paintings of what the earth used to look like before the sky was blue. And we're, we're 
it's just yeah we haven't so really going back when you say early years you don't mean early, early years as in babies you mean early years of the planet the planet yeah wow. so for instance about what was it 2.7 billion years ago the oxygenation um, event happened where the sky was filled with the atmosphere was filled with more oxygen due to organisms producing the oxygen and that for instance that you know the the sky changed color um and so we're going to i'm going to be doing art that will involve the public engaging in it and do videos on how to do certain paintings and it's yeah that it's really amazing. yeah and that's kind of going back again then to your biology teacher days and teaching and it's funny how but in combining the art as well and nature yeah and i think I'll have to use, oh gosh, I don't know what brain I've got left, to be fair. You know when you have kids and you just, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't write something on the calendar. Yeah. Absolutely no recollection. I write everything so I, I am, have yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have really no brain left, so I'm going to have to learn all of, all of the science again. But I, I do feel really strongly about sharing sort of awareness of evolution. And, you know, I, was, I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to and I asked them, what they thought evolution was and when did life per, you know first appear on earth and and i think a lot of people assume that you know they were blobs in the sea very soon after that dinosaurs then humans but i've no idea about the time scale and the reality is i think there's um oh gosh what is it if you put all of life on earth in a year you know first of january blobs appear humans don't appear till something like 31st of december just before midnight. Trying to raise awareness mm-hmm. of that. I yeah. think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, and I think you're gonna be the perfect person for the job, right? With your friend as well. But you obviously you've got a very simple way of explaining it. Well, right? simple because I don't know more than that. <laughs> okay, well, simple that is that's the limit of my knowledge. But I will be learning and then doing art after I've learned. <laughs> well, how amazing. What a lovely way. And in terms of your paintings, was there any way where you would like to sort of develop in that? You'd like to do sort of see your scenes and the places you love and just carry on doing that, really? Just carry on doing it. And I, if you look at some of my work, you, you think, is that the same artist? Because I don't know what I'm doing, I make it up as I go along. I've got no training, so uh, every day it's like being in school. So I try different things. And my styles change, and I've just discovered a new style in the last week. Wow. Which proved, seemed to prove really popular, so I'm just going to be doing more of that. And what's that like? It's, so the Tate and St Ives took a photograph out of their cafe. I don't know if you've been to the Tate and I It's have. just beautiful. And the cafe on the roof mm. overlooks rooftops, and they'd photographed the rooftops. So I did um, a painting of the rooftops in quite a simple style, very bright colours, and then just featured my cat standing in the street amazing (laughs) and it had the most likes of any painting i've ever done and people i could have sold it 11 times um so i think i might do more of those those. (laughs) that's that's just amazing and i do think that is again fascinating because there's a a lot on this um next chapter podcast that to be an artist is one of those jobs it's like a a dream job for many if you like art but so many people think they have to go through all the schools and you have to have done you have to spend at least two years in Italy and all this kind of thing but you don't know and I don't really know I mean I am an artist but I don't really know much about the art world and I'm admitting that yeah and I what I struggle with sometimes I go to an exhibition I love going to say the RWA open exhibition I love it and I just go and I'm inspired and but often I see art and I think, I have no idea. That is a circle in a square. 
sorry if people listening, that's what you do. So it is a square. And I look at it and I think, I, have no, I don't get that. And then write it off in my head. And I think lots of people do that. And it puts people off going to galleries because mm-hmm. you don't understand. And I think what I want to do with my art is I don't want people to be challenged particularly. I want them to instantly look at a painting and go, oh, that's where we went on holiday. Or mm-hmm. and just for an instance, remind them of a really happy time. And that is that is the depth of my work, mm-hmm. just purely to make to cheer people up. Mm. I think well, I think that's the perfect depth because you're right because you, you said in some of your notes you know you can't stand all the potential that can no, be around no. it. No, and, and I'm not sometimes asked to do an artist statement or a biography, and I just want to say, Jenny paints places she likes and wants her images to cheer you up. The end. I'm not, you know, I'm not a troubled artist. That you know, there's no political background, or, and that's it. One more. Do you? I mean, you get pleasure from doing your job, and you give people pleasure. I don't know what other option, you know, what there is to well, a job. Well, you read, you read other artist statements. And I think, oh my goodness, I need more depth. I need more. I need to find a hidden meaning in my work and to justify it. But there isn't a hidden meaning. I just, you know, I want my work to be instantly recognisable as a place they know or a view that they like and to get a, to just make people happy. Mm. Um, well, I've seen your work and it makes me happy. <laughs> it really does, it really does. So moving on to your acknowledgements, who would you say has helped you and has been the biggest influence on you? Oh, I suppose it would be my dad because of his, you know, he shared his love of nature and my dad... He has no ego at all, and he's such a talented man. He's so good at art. And he was an art teacher purely because he had wife and kids and needed to support his family. But he is genuinely really talented at art and making things. So I think that he has been the biggest influence. But you know, And he's obviously encouraged you as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when, when I was four, he gave me this massive board that he'd painted with undercoat and said... I want you to draw a picture on this because you'll never be able to draw like you can now. And I'm thinking, oh, I am the best I will ever be. And I drew this big picture of me, my family. We all lived in mushrooms. And um, it's quite bizarre. And, <laughs> and that is now on my bedroom wall. Oh. And I've recently applied. It's my first ever art prize competition thing I've applied. I won't win, but I thought I'd give it a go. And I, I recently did a self-portrait of me standing in front of that painting I did, laughing at it. Oh. I love um, that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Living on the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that must have been off my tits. I mean, yeah. But yeah, so, he um, saw it. He knew. He spotted it. His but, daughter. Um, but another, another really, really inspirational person is a. He's a friend. He's a. He's an artist. Hugh Richard Evans, and he he paints beautiful pictures of Pembrokeshire, and he he finds it really easy and loves absolutely loves what he did. He does, and he has the same outlook about art. You know, he loves doing it and that's all there is to it. And, you you know, there's no... He doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, and he's, and he's you know, his work is unbelievable. And he's only just recently getting the prices for his work that I think he deserves. You know, he's collected by loads of people and he's in great galleries. And I just think, oh, I want to be like Hugh. So thank you, Hugh. <laughs> thank you, Hugh. But it's true. But, I mean, I listen to a lot about this but it is true the whole mastery thing that if you just slowly build and learn your skill and you do you create your brand and you know, it, it, it just takes that time and then it, it, the treats and the recognition does come eventually it just sometimes yes to, to just and that's sometimes better to grow it slowly 
rather yeah, than yeah. I mean, it's um, art's a funny thing because I my biggest problem is pricing. It's really hard to price art because you know there's no how do you value it in a sort of monetary term? And I, you know, I just I don't <laughs> I don't really want my work to be not affordable by people. Um, and that sounds like somebody who is just bitter because their paintings don't suffer much. But do you know what I mean? I think I think so, I look at some art and it's millions of pounds. I think how. Who, who can enjoy that? Only, like, people, footballers or oil companies? I don't know. Yeah. So um, my, my stuff's very affordable, um, which ensures that, it, you know, it sells, and mm. otherwise I can't do this for a living. Mm. And also you know that, Ben, you've got all these lovely paintings in people's homes, cheering them up, <laughs> and you're the you're doing the job. I think, I mean... We're currently very near to my house, and I think I have saturated BS6 in Bristol now. <laughs> I, I, I see a space in our house, where that's another question. We had a babysitter. She used to play a game. If She said, oh, I did babysitting at you know, someone's house. They've got one of your pictures. I went, the next house, they've got one in the little loo. And I... <laughs> <laughs> You're doing your job. It's spreading the love. I love this. Spreading like a disease. Yeah. And, and you said your husband's been very supportive as well. Yes, he's got a proper grown-up job. Um, which pays most of the bills um, and he yes he he was very supportive and he, he he felt it important that his children weren't just shoved in nurseries you know all day every day and mm. and and he could see that I really wanted to give it a go um, and he, he is yeah he is very encouraging um, I don't he never flatters me so I'll show him a painting really excited look at this look at this and he'll just go okay yeah so how much are you going to sell that for <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, he's like, you know, yes. How much of the mortgage will you pay for? Oh, um, but it is yeah. as we were saying earlier. I still say it's very, it's so important all round for sons as well. We have this now. It's like people say to me, "Can I have my TV work and then I do my book work?" Yes, and it's like, kind of, why are you doing that as well on top of everything? There's so much going on. But we do. It, it, I love writing in the same way yeah, we love yeah, yeah. painting, and I think it's so. I think. My sons, I'm sure yours, they're learning a lot from it. The whole experience of setting up and starting out and failing and my rejections and things like that. Yeah. And it teaches, it's a good life lesson as well as, and the bills are important, which is why I have the TV job, but it's, also I love my TV job, but um, yeah, it's it's important that children get a whole sense of everything, that the grown up job and then something a bit different as well. Yeah, I think, I think my kids often look at me at what I'm doing at the kitchen table and go, is this all you've done all day, colouring in? <laughs> colouring in. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, they can see that I'm, when I was a teacher, it's stressful teaching. It, God, science teaching is, it is really hardcore. And, um, you know, I have not been jealous of people in this last year teaching because I think the teachers have done an amazing job mm. suddenly having to cope at the you know, drop of a hat to a changing thing. Um, and I did find it sometimes really stressful but painting, I don't think I could be a less stressy mum. Mm. I think that's why my whole house is just covered in mud and dirty because <laughs> I've reached this sort of... <laughs> I just... Nothing really stresses me. Apart from when IT things fail, that stresses me. Yeah. But um, I think yeah. the kids, you know, appreciate that their their sort of family life is not is not stressful. And they come home... If they've had a hard day at school, they come home and they know that the mum's at the kitchen table... Quite cheery, colouring it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds <laughs> idyllic to yeah. me. It sounds <laughs> I have really a moment, good. honestly, but um, 
No. And, you know, we're experts of muddy floors here, so I, uh, <laughs> I'm with you all the way. So what is your advice, then, Jenny, to somebody who may be listening to this and is so inspired like what you've done? Because, again, it wasn't that you went and spent loads of money on a big art school and there had to be a big change and a big, you know, no. it naturally came around. Yes. So what would you say to somebody who's, like, desperately thinking, I need to do something different? I would say that do lots of research first I didn't do lots of research but I would say do lots of research and maybe see if they can overlap what they're currently doing with trying what they want to do if they're not lucky enough to have you know if they if they financially can afford to just stop then that's fine but most people don't and I think I can only speak from an artist perspective but I think if you're going to become an artist you have to think about will it sell are your subject matters popular Make sure that when you're selling, you have a range, for me anyway, it's just selling a range of different priced items. So, you know, I sell fridge magnets or big originals. And, you know, when I do an arts trail where you exhibit for a weekend somewhere, you know, I have a whole range of items from pound fifty up to a few hundred pounds. So that ensures that you'll always hopefully sell something and always get a trickle of income. So I sell loads of things to tourist information centres or museum gift shops you know, giftware just as a constant income in between exhibitions because if you're not selling originals, you've got to rely on something else. So, um, mm. And do you think there's something as well that you can... I think sometimes there's a danger that you can go down a route of, like, training and thinking and that, that sometimes just taking the step and just starting to do it a bit, even if yes. it's on the side of something so else. So I've loads. I've started from... I, I've, I think I've painted two pictures before in my life. For, like GCSE art before I painted god how old was I? so 30 age 34 I started um and I just went for it and tried things I didn't I didn't spend much money on materials because I didn't have it so my first paintings were done on the I think it was the bottom of an old chest of drawers the wooden board at the bottom <laughs> I painted all that and you don't need expensive equipment you don't need for me, I haven't needed to go to art school. I mean, I'm sure I'd benefit. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe not a lot at the moment, though, Jane. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I should do some courses. Because, I mean, there are things I was asked about screen print yesterday. I have no idea what that is. It's witchcraft. No idea. <laughs> and yeah, I'm supposed to be an artist. So, um, yeah, I, need, I, I just needed to start making money. And that drove me to paint quickly and try and sell it. Don't waste time. And look, and then you do something that you enjoy. You don't get stressed about your muddy floors. No, no. But you do have to work hard. You know, I, I paint every day, pretty much every day, even at weekends. And in the week, I might paint eight, eight hours. Um, and I really enjoy doing it. But you, you do have to work hard, you know, just sort of, you know, if my work was selling for, you know, thousands, then maybe I'd slow down a bit. But it's not, I need to earn the money. So I wouldn't say I'm at the coal face at all. But um... yeah, but then your babysitter <laughs> wouldn't be able to spot your work everywhere, yeah, exactly. Jenny. It'd be much less fun. So that, yeah. But, um, yeah, so final thing, you say go for it. If you're thinking about it, go for it. Yeah, and I, I love teaching. By the end of it, oh, I resented it. I resented not being at home with my kids. And that was a strong enough motivation for me to just resign and do something else and I think you have to have a you know a really strong feeling in order to to make it happen um yeah so 
Well, Jenny, it's been amazing talking to you. Speaking of technical issues, you've been very patient. Yeah. But we did have a few technical issues at the beginning, <laughs> and she's being extremely no, no, gosh. So, I don't know how to do any te- anything techie, so oh. I was very impressed. Now you know, well, I don't either, but thank you so much for being such an amazing oh, guest. Thank you for having me. It's been really, really nice. So there you are. What a way to approach doing something like that. I mean, a school fair. I still think she was so brave just putting your work out there in front of people like that. I mean, but look what it did. It changed her whole way of life and career. Now, you can see Jenny and her fabulous work at jennyurquhart.co.uk. You spell that U-R-Q-U-H-A-R-T. And you can keep up to date with me and my next chapter, at elliebarkerwrites.com. And if you don't mind rating and subscribing to this podcast, then that really would be wonderful. I know everyone says it and I know it's quite boring, but it may just help somebody else start their next chapter. So if you're thinking about your next chapter, then go on. I think you can do it. And I know Jenny does too. Keep thinking, keep in touch. Just one little step. We'll be here. Speak soon.